afternoon, students. Welcome back to the lore and histories of the Iron Kingdoms, War Machines, and Hordes. I am Professor Caster, and I will be walking you through Cadorn Warcasters today. My personal experience with Cadorn Warcasters, since I worked with them for a good, I don't know, 10, 15 years, along with the Cadorn High Command, is that like most other Cadorns, you have no idea if they like you. Respect you, yes. Like you, no. And that like, respect, and dislike are a very thin line for Cadorns. Unless, of course, you are another Cadorn, and then I imagine it's a little easier if you were raised in that particular type of society. Although the Warcasters in Cadorn are even, I don't want to say scarier, unnerving, yeah, and you not knowing if they like you or not, really just, well, you just hope your contractors went well enough that, you know, they're not going to uh, end your contract with your life at the same time. I suppose after 15 years, that means they liked me at least a little bit. Uh, we will be reading over today the training and such for a Cadorn Warcaster, along with some of the Warcasters at the beginning of this chapter. We'll probably be breaking these courses up into multiple parts, um, with Warcasters either standalone as their own, as they haven't changed for millennia, or we will be grouping them together based on their Warcasters history and you know if they increase rank or anything like that we'll be going through each of their histories as they progress along the storyline. Um, so let's just get to it. We'll begin with Warcasters of Kodor. Boasting the most formidable modern military in Western Amoran, the Kodoran Empire is capable of simultaneously and sustained campaigns in multiple theaters, deploying both discipline, loyal soldiers, an impressive arsenal of warjacks, artillery, and mystical might. Kodor's true strength is its people, and regardless of the other weapons at its disposal, the army's greatest battlefield asset by far are its formidable warcasters. The Kodoran military places a high priority on preparing its warcasters for the challenges they face. Each is a trained commanding officer capable of serving as the linchpin in both offensive and defensive engagements. The prosperity of the glory of the motherland is contingent on the split-second decision of these warcasters. They are relied upon to make the best call, even far from the call of high command. Considerable expense has been invested to modernize the Kadorn military and create an effective and systematic regiment of arcane training. Regardless, the warcasters of Kador are extremely varied. The previous military training and experience of these individuals shapes the evolution of their individual fighting styles and powers. Traditionally, Kodor has struggled to compete with rival nations in their arcane and mechanical innovations. The greatest invention that led to the overthrow of Orgoth came from other regions, from the alchemist of Lael and the arcanist of Signar. In the modern era, efforts to rectify this imbalance have fallen to a single group of its most ambitious and talented citizens. Moving on to arcane traditions. The preeminent arcane organization in Kodor is the Greylord's Covenant, a powerful group that serves as an arm of the state and which has unified all the gifted with magic in the Empire. The very formation of the Greylord Covenant was an act of solidarity for the motherland. While Kodor has been esteemed for its engineering before the occupation, having invented the first steam engine, southerners conspired to undermine the knowledge and expertise of the northern peoples during the rebellion, leaving the nations of Kodor with a distinct deficit. To redress this injustice, the Crown sent loyal, gifted citizens abroad to acquire lore and secrets from foreign organizations such as Signar's Fraternal Order of Wizardry and Lael's Order of the Golden Crucible. In brave acts of espionage, the first Greylords acquired vital intelligence, including the manufacturing techniques of Steamjack's Cortexes and knowledge of alchemy, and by their efforts they hoped to help modernize Kodor's military 
in a very tangible fashion, the Grey Lord Covenant paved the way for the nation to reclaim its rightful place as the forefront of Iron Kingdoms, and its current warcasters benefit directly from those efforts. Nations like Ord and Signar endure the, a bewildering array of cabal and organizations to which Arcanists and Alchemists belong, creating divided loyalties. Their government compete with the private businesses and organizations for talent, and their mechanics and warcasters can betray them for a higher bidder at any time. Not so in Kodor, where the Greylord Covenant holds exclusive sway over arcane lore and techniques. I suppose that's why you don't see too many Kodorn warcaster mercenaries, or any thinking about it. The Greylords have long served alongside and supported the Kodorn army, and they have developed battlefield magic to bolster and advance military tactics. Magic utilized by the Grey Lords draws power from the harsh frozen landscape, with Arcanus calling upon the cold itself as a weapon. Spells that freeze adversaries in place, invoking cutting winds to injure or deflect incoming fire, and blanket allies in concealing fog and snow, well known to the Covenant. As part of its natural evolution, the Covenant became heavily involved in Warcaster identification and instruction, and the magic employed by Kodor's Warcasters reflect this. I know very few Warcasters that don't have a random ice spell up their sleeve. Recruitment and training. The Greylord Covenant seeks out anyone among Kodor's population with arcane gifts that can be put to the proper use for the motherland. The Covenant has various means to find such people, including interviews and tests, as well as investigators checking into unusual supernatural manifestations. It is common for arcanists other than warcasters to first show the signs of their ability in the early teens through spontaneous and involuntary acts of magic. Dorn law demands such individuals be reported to the authorities and collect by the Grey Lord Covenant for proper training. But the emergence of Warcaster talent is especially capricious. Their gifts have been known to manifest later in life, well past the point that most citizens have committed to a profession. While some rare family lines, such as the Umbrian Tabeskis, have been noted for powerful sorcerers and a few Warcasters over the centuries, this is an exception rather than the rule. Greylords maintain genealogies of gifted to try to anticipate such talents, but most Warcasters rise unpredictably. The most likely place for a Warcaster talent to reveal itself is life-or-death combat situations, especially in the proximity of Warjacks. Because of this tendency, Kodor's policy of mandatory military service has helped in discovering many Warcasters whose talents might have remained hidden in civilian life. Requiring military service also greatly facilitates the integration of new warcasters, as many have already been through military training and may have also been in direct combat experiences. Once someone with the warcaster potential has been identified, instruction with the Greylord begins at once. Arcanists in training are referred to as ukineks or apprentices. They are sent to one of the Covenant's chapter houses for intensive but abbreviated regimen to learn the fundamental aspects of arcane manipulation. The studies undertaken by Warcaster candidates are more narrow and selective than gifted apprentices, focused mainly on battlefield magic. Once Ukinex have learned how to control their magic, they are sent to the Drazina to become officer cadets and learn to control warjacks. Those who pass their initial test earn the arcane rank of Rustovic, loosely equivalent to southern journeymen. Such arcane ranks are a formality, being purely to gauge the arcane progress, and are separate from the authority associated with actual military rank. The most non-Warcaster cadets who graduated from the Drusina become lieutenants, but Warcaster is promoted to a Kovnik in consideration of their greater responsibility and authority. 
New Rostoviks, Kovniks, undergo a probationary period during which their training is put to the test in the field. Each must perform a focused mission or series of connected missions involving a difficult objective with no direct oversight from high-ranking officers. These missions may connect to a current conflict or, in times of peace, they may involve risky patrols along the contested borders or in untamed wilderness regions. For example, Ordic defenders along Murata Hills have often been targeted as such for a combat trial. Yes. To accomplish their missions, the Warcasters are provided with a battle group of Warjacks and a complement of soldiers and support crew, but they must otherwise rely on their wits and powers. A Warcaster's performance is evaluated at the end of the mission. If successful, a Warcaster is promoted to commander and gain the arcane ranks of Magziv, signifying a fully qualified Warcaster. One who fails to impress remains a Kovnik and receives a cycle of corrective instruction and missions. Failure is not an option. You don't get washed out of Kadoran Warcaster schools. It is possible, if rare, for a Warcaster to arise from among the Grey Lords themselves. Having been a skilled arcanist before the Warcaster's talent is discovered, such individuals have a leg up in terms of arcane expertise, but must learn to perform other duties of a Warcaster. The High Command requires the Covenant to reveal such members and surrender them to the General Office of Training. It is possible, it is difficult to uphold Warcaster responsibilities while retaining high ranks in the Covenant, but this requires a tricky juggling of priorities. Where someone who is cold and calculated which sounds like the Greylords. While every Warcaster technically retains a rank in the Covenant, the demands of Kodor's Imperial Mandate prevents most Warcasters from pursuing the esoteric research, field studies, and political maneuvering required for advancement to Covenant leadership. Abavnik Commander Alexandra Sarkova is one of the few exceptions. Someone who has managed to excel and advance within the organization without alienating the High Command. Some Warcasters choose to pursue such advancements when old age or infirmity forces them to retire from active duty. Though others prefer to join the High Command, very few Warcasters retire from the military in this way. Most find a more noble end to their careers dying in combat while earning glory for the motherland. I'm glad I did not mispronounce her name or else I would wake up somewhere cold and icy where I would enjoy a long, long painful life. Role with the military hierarchy. Although burdened with responsibility and expected to risk their lives fighting at the forefront of major engagements, Warcasters also enjoy considerably autonomy and liberty. Even young Warcasters are trusted with leading sizable armed forces and controlling numerous warjacks and large number of soldiers. Due to their nature as a force multiplier and the unique perspective they gain on unfolding battlefields by joining their minds to multiple warjacks, Warcasters are given tactical command of an engagement, even over senior-ranking non-Warcaster officers. Strategy is the purview of commandants, but tactics are Warcasters' dominion. I suppose if you have magic and the ability to control 10-ton Warjacks with your mind, that just makes you better. While Warcasters are technically required to heed the High Command in practice, they operate outside the ordinary chain of command. Supreme Commandant Gervalt Urisk himself, a Warcaster, serves as an operational link between the High Command and most of Kadoran's active Warcasters, determining where each should be deployed. A number of these Warcasters have earned special prominence through distinguished service, each having become a living legend among the rank and file. Empress Venar has demonstrated a willingness to indulge the needs of these men and women so long as they are successful. 
A dark example of the Empress's policy is Ursus Zaktavir, the Butcher of Kardav, whom many officers considered a reckless madman who inspires fear even in his own soldiers. Despite this reputation, he holds the honored rank of commander and has been entrusted with missions requiring un unflinching resolve. On several occasions, Empress Fenar has directly tasked him with inflicting punishment on perceived traitors of the motherland. The last thing you want to do is get into an argument with a madman whose nickname is The Butcher. We'll talk more about him later. Because of the Empress's support, Warcasters enjoy virtual immunity to criminal prosecution, as well as a tremendous leeway in conducting their missions. To most of these Warcasters, the military hierarchy and infrastructure exist first and foremost to facilitate reinforcements through its supply lines. As long as Warjacks and soldiers arrive where and when they are needed, Warcasters do not bother with many of the trivial tasks that occupy other officers. Adjutants are assigned to them and handle such matters and free them to their true purpose, seizing victory at all costs. The easy life of a Warcaster. Some Warcasters remained outside the military structure, such as the Great Prince Tepeski and the Crone Zavanna Aga, the Old Witch. The former is the high-ranking noble in addition to being engaged to the Empress, while the later is an enigmatic figure out of myth and legend. These individuals are obeyed like ranked commanders and are given similar liberties with the Empire's supply lines. Any who might feel disgruntled at these unconventional arrangements are wise to swallow their opinions. In one way or another, every warcaster in the Kadoran army serves the Empress. So long as they have her favor, they are not to be questioned. And one of our little side note things here written, Greylord Covenant Ranks. Warcasters who have received initial rankings and evaluation by the Greylord Covenant are afforded arcane ranks, which signify their aptitude and power as arcanists. Due to a wide scope of their responsibilities and the fact that warcasters are preferred on the battlefield, it is rare for these individuals to rise above the rank of Magziv, which conveys full capability and competence. Arcane ranks have no inherent authority outside the Covenant. A warcaster's military rank is the real measure of their authority. The rankings proceed as Ushnik, Rastovik, Magziv, Koldan, Koldan Lord, Avavnik, and High Avavnik Arbiters, as we discussed in the previous chapter. Alright class, it looks like we do have enough time to get into at least one Warcaster today. We'll be discussing Commander Harkovich, the Iron Wolf. Hodor's Iron Wolf has earned a reputation as a peerless master of heavy armor on the battlefield, a war hero beloved by his soldiers and respected even by the enemies of the motherland. Where Izak Harkovich and his Iron Armies march, the enemy finds itself hounded, outmaneuvered, cornered, and eventually obliterated by overwhelming firepower. His men say his drills are bloodless battles and his battles are bloody drills, a tough compliment but one he has earned from a lifetime of military service. Harkovich has nothing but highest expectations of his soldiers who endure grueling training until they can fight seamlessly alongside his warjacks. Little arouses wrath such as the Gadorn who do not love the motherland enough to work hard and bring the best of their abilities to bear. Whether they be farmers, merchants, or nobles, all citizens must shoulder the share of the burden to strengthen the Kadoran Empire. Due to his simple beginning growing up in the farming family near Kardov, Harkovich would have led an ordinary career as a lifetime winter guardsman if not for his warcaster gift. He feels a closer affinity to the citizens he protects and to the enlisted fighters risking their lives on the front line than he does the ranking officers to whom he reports. 
Harkovich believes being a warcaster does not elevate him above his soldiers, but rather requires him to assume greater responsibility for their lives. Entering into officer and warcaster training in the Drizinia Korsk, he demonstrated an acceptable capability of dividing his attention to simultaneously direct a half, half a dozen or more warjacks, a level of control ordinarily requiring years to attain. King commandants were eager to put his abilities to work in the field and sent him to fight alongside the border legions. During more than a decade of conflict, Commander Harkovich honed his skills alongside the 1st, 4th, and 5th border legions, fighting countless skirmishes among both Ordic and Signaran forces. For this extensive service, Harkovich has already established his reputation by the time the invasion of Lael began. When he helped seize the city of Elsenburg, the city was barely damaged during the battle that resulted in the surrender of its leader, and has since shown every sign of smoothly integrating into the Gadoran Empire. The fact Harkovich credits to the civil treatment of its people. Nothing would please him more than to see Lael become a productive arm of the Kadoran Empire, its citizens gladly serving the Empress, and its farmlands fertile in crops rather than churned into mud by soldiers' boots. The Iron Wolf is also famous for his ability to move large number of warjacks at an unprecedented pace to strike where the enemy least expects. The master of logistics, he coordinates the delivery of coal and other supplies to facilitate his, his forced march, and he shows willingness to march alongside his jack, jacks day and night, and to use any means at his disposal to reach his objective. His steely professionalism has earned him the commendation of Supreme Commandant Gervalt Urisk, who has also acknowledged Harkovich's significant contribution to the Kadoran tactics. Harkovich, ever mindful of his soldiers' lives, prefers to let his warjacks bear the greatest risk in battle. His approach is not to utilize warjacks to support his army, but rather the reverse. Markovich employs his soldiers primarily to steer the enemy towards the guns of his jacks to fix the foes in place on ground of his choosing, and later to mop up the routed enemy after the morale is broken by the overwhelming force brought against them.